Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of It's a Gundam. I'm Jeremy. I'm Tyler. My name is Zach. So for our Thanksgiving Thinktacular last year, we decided to have Zach explain 40K to Tyler, and he did not even get to the year 40,000. Isn't there like a ton of stuff that happens before 40K though? There's a lot of information. It's all important. You need to know all of it. Uh, So as we established, and I do not quite know as much about Zach as 40K, but we figured we would let me have a try and see if we could get to the year 40,000 in 30 minutes with me doing it. That seems reasonable. We're starting from the beginning, right? Yes. Like the beginning, the beginning. So how much do you know about 40K slash how much do you remember, Tyler? A little bit fuzzy. I remember... I mean, basically nothing. I could probably bring up a Cliff Notes edition of what Zach told me, but... But my explanation was so perfect. How could you possibly have forgotten anything I said? Um, it's not its not a fault of you, Zach. It was just, I was tired that night. You know, there was a lot going on. Well, of course it wasn't my fault. That's why we're going to do it again. You usually have to hear things like three times in order to remember them. Is the common wisdom, right? So, I guess next time I'm going to explain it to myself. Anyway, same deal as with Zach. I will have 30 minutes, so it will be fair. Are we ready? Yeah, I am ready. All right, 30 minutes starting now. So in the beginning, there was light and there was void. And this is not like a religious explanation for how the world came to be. It is a little bit, but this is like the Big Bang Theory. Light and void are observable forces that we can observe in the present. And so this is our best working theory of how it happened. Okay. So the light and the void clashed, and that created a number of universes, or planes if you want to think of it D&D style. That word isn't really used, but it might be the easiest way to visualize it. The one with which we are primarily concerned is called the Great Dark Beyond, which is called that because it is mostly darkness. Yeah, that's a good name. (laughs) Checks out. But within that darkness, there are points of light, and some of those points of light have rocks orbiting around them. (laughs) And some of those rocks have life on them. And some of those rocks with life have sapient life on them. And some of those rocks with sapient life on them have an abundance of sapient life because they are, in fact, sapient creatures themselves that are gestating. We call these world souls. And eventually, a world soul will birth what's called a titan. This is sounding extremely Kingdom Hearts to me. (laughs) Everything sounds Kingdom Hearts when I explain it. That's my secret, (laughs) Captain. So the titans are incredibly powerful beings. They are essentially immortal. They can be killed, but they do not die of old age, and it is very difficult to kill them. They are capable of self-propulsion through the great dark beyond. They don't require oxygen or food. They have incredibly strong magic. So the titans that were born, they eventually started exploring the great dark beyond, and they found each other. And they grouped up into a group they called the Pantheon. And they decided they were going to go out looking for more titans and world souls so they wouldn't be so lonely because they're very, very rare. So, like, how many of them are there at this point? Or is, is that relevant? A couple dozen, maybe. Okay. So, like, a, f- a fairly sizable group, but... I should have probably opened up. There are so many retcons in 40K that we're just going to be dealing <laughs> with. And I'm going to try to give you everything that as it is now. But I might mess some stuff up as I'm on an earlier page. And so, like, how many titans there were at this point is not super clear. Because it's not super important, but dozens is probably the realm. Definitely under a hundred. Okay. Just remember, everything is everything is canon, just not everything is true. Yeah. So they form the Pantheon, and they start going around looking for world souls. But they find a lot of the world souls are being attacked by creatures. And these are, they're various creatures, but they're the same ones attacking each one. Like the same sorts. Colloquially, these are called demons, so I'll just call them that for now. And they're like, how are these getting to all these different world souls? 
So they appoint the strongest Titan, whose name is Sargeras, to go fight them and figure it out. So Sargeras starts fighting demons, and he finds out that they, in fact, come from another plane of existence. Again, that's not really the use, world we use, but another dimension. Uh, I was I was going to guess that they were also spawned by world souls, so they're like weird cousins of the Titans. Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> so Sargeras fights them for millennia. What he finds out is that when he kills them on a later planet, when he's fighting them again, sometimes he runs into the same one. Because when you kill a demon, they actually return to the Twisting Nether rather than die. You have to kill them in the Twisting Nether to kill them. Interesting. And is that the plane that they're from? Yes. Okay. So Sargeras can't get to the Twisting Nether and doesn't want to go. So instead, he creates a prison planet called Mordoon that traps their souls when they try to go back to the Twisting Nether. So he now basically just has a giant prison to imprison all the demons when he kills them. That seems efficient. This also seems eventually problematic because, like, what if there's a prison break? Now you got a ton of them all at once. But what if there's not a prison break, Tyler? Hmm. So Sargeras tries to figure out what their deal is, and he starts talking to them. And the most talkative ones are called the Nathrazim, or colloquially, they're called Dreadlords. And their deal is mostly they just like to talk to people and sort of point out the worst things about reality until they can they convince them to come to their side. <laughs> They tell Sargeras that the reason they were attacking world souls specifically is because of another group of creatures in another dimension called the Void, which are called the Void Lords. Now, the Void Lords can't get to the Great Dark Beyond or anywhere else, but they have sent their servants, the Old Gods, to it. And the Old Gods just corrupt sentient beings that already exist. And so the demons were afraid of what would happen if a Titan got corrupted by the Old Gods, because they, whatever they corrupt becomes more powerful and is a servant to the Void Lord. Yeah, okay, so there's uh, there's some logic in this, right? Like, the Titans are, uh, like, understandably a threat if they were to, you know, go rogue. Yeah, so Sargeras is like, yeah, I don't know that I believe you. And the Anathrosim are like, okay, there's this planet over here. It's a world soul, and it's got some old gods on it. So why don't you go over there and see what happens? And twist, he gets turned. <laughs> So Sargeras is like, okay, I'll, I'll go see what's up with that. Meanwhile, somewhere, there is a planet called Azeroth. Azeroth is a world soul, and one thing that's uh, unique to world souls, one of the way the Titans figure out what planets are world souls, is they all have sentient elementals of the four classical elements. Okay. That's just like a byproduct of them spawning stuff. Yes. It's specifically the, the world soul needs to eat spirit that's ambient in the air and that causes the elements to come into conflict and then they become sapient the elementals on azeroth are especially hostile towards one another because azeroth consumes more spirit than even the average world soul so it's just this super chaotic planet where the mountains are moving around everything's on fire there are these wind storms because of the elements being in conflict with one another okay that sounds like a weird place for life to have to deal with yeah, so Sargeras gets to this planet that the Dreadlords told him about, and he sees the creatures that have been corrupted by the old gods, and they're powerful enough that they actually give him trouble, and they're stronger than the demons even. And he sees them burrowing in trying to corrupt the world soul. So he freaks out and decides that the only thing he can do is to kill the world soul before the Titan is born. So he gets his big sword and cuts the planet in half. Which is exactly what the demons were trying to do, right? Yeah. So he goes to the other Titans and is like, we have trouble, guys. Life just happened, right? As far as we can tell. So what I propose is that we go destroy all living things in the world and just hope it happens again and the old gods can't corrupt it this time. <laughs> <laughs> and the Pantheon's like, whoa, 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 Sargeras. Think you've been hanging out with the Dreadlords too long. 
Like, did you even try to stop the old gods or like help? And he's like, no, that that wouldn't be possible. You guys don't understand. And like, just chill out. We're going to go see what we can do. And the two go their separate ways. Meanwhile, on Azeroth, some old gods show up. Four specifically. Cthun. Oh, go on. I was just going to ask if it mattered which four. Um, And it sounds like because they have names, yes. Yeah. Cthun, Yasaraj, Mazoth, and Yasaraj. So they all show up and they begin burrowing into the planet. And they also start bleeding these bug creatures on it, which there are two different ones. The Akir, which are these mantis people, and the Naraki, which are like these giant insects. The elementals are like, whoa, this isn't good. So they decide to team up to stop the old gods, but they're terrible at working together. And so it goes bad and they end up enslaved instead. That's a bit of a whoopsie there, isn't it? So the Pantheon finds Azeroth and they're like, ah, excellent. A world soul that's being attacked by the old gods. This is what we were looking for. Surely we can just heal it and we can prove to Sargeras that he overreacted and that this isn't really a problem. But since Sargeras attacking the old gods destroyed the planet, they're kind of worried about direct intervention. So instead, they decide to create avatars to do it out of the earth of Azeroth itself. So they get the strongest bits of earth, which are mostly metals, as you might imagine, and turn them into humanoid shapes that become the Titan's avatars. They have the same names as the Titans that they were made by, but they are basically new life forms that have all of those Titans' memories, but all their future experiences are new. Does that make sense? Yeah, so they diverge from that point in time. Um, there, yes. There's a name for this as a philosophical concept, but yeah. Yeah. A lot of them are named after Norse gods. So there's Tyr, there's Odin, there's Loken, who's definitely not Loki. <laughs> as well as quite a few others that might uh, be named. But there are quite a few of them. And they begin fighting the bugs and the elementals. And they decide that they can't do it themselves. So they create smaller beings themselves out of the earth. Uh, There are a number of these, which are, in general, they're called Titanforged. Important one to start with are the Valkyr, which are just these stone people, basically, that are like eight feet tall. No, they're not just Valkyries. No. But they have beards. Some of the Titan avatars also want to get the natives involved in helping fighting the old gods, specifically these creatures called proto-drakes. But they kind of fight over that. And Odin decides to take his Valkyr and go off elsewhere because he's afraid of them getting tainted. And he kind of leaves the main war effort. What a dick. Yeah. So the Titan Forge are fighting mostly the elementals because they send them to as the front lines, the old gods do. And they decide that they're getting tired of fighting elementals. So they use magic to create an elemental plane, which only exists on Azeroth. But it is like a D&D elemental plane. It's divided into four sections for each element. And they just start banishing all the elementals there so they don't have to deal with them. <laughs> hey, that's a good idea. It's basically the same thing that they did with trapping demons, right? Yeah, more or less. So then they have to uh, start fighting the Akir and the Naraki directly, and they begin doing so, pushing them back, and eventually they start to reach the first of the old gods, Yasaraj. The Titans are watching the entire time, and they're worried that they're not going to be able to deal with Yasaraj, so they decide to intervene, and they kind of literally just like pick him up like a tick and rip him out of the planet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's efficient. Unfortunately, it burrowed in much, much deeper than they thought. And when they pluck it out, it creates enough damage to the planet that they're afraid it's going to just fall apart. So they start tapping into the energy of the Titan Soul and Azeroth and using their own magic to try and heal it. 
and at the spot of what is basically the wound, they create this pool of magical energy called the Well of Eternity that will eventually heal the planet. But it's going to make Azeroth take longer to be born, basically. Okay. They also decide, ugh, that was not good. So instead of <laughs> killing the old gods, let's just imprison them. Wait, so do, do, they, do they kill Yasharj? Y- y- yeah. Okay. But, so, but the other three, Cthulhu, Yogg-Saron, and Nazoth, they're like, let's just imprison those guys. On, on a scale from one to definitely, how Cthulhu is Cthulhu? When you fight him, he says, your heart will explode. Your friends will abandon you. Okay. He whispers in your mind. Uh, he mind-controlled me and Zack to kill Kevin a lot. Okay. That was funny. <laughs> the old gods are super based on Lovecraftian lore. So they start creating more Titanforge, the avatars do, in order to help them maintain these prisons. Specifically, the Earthen, which are sort of shorter rock people who they make to more easily move the Earth in order to make sure that the old gods can't escape from these subterranean prisons they create. And the mechanomes, which are these metal pe- things that they just basically create as jailers. So are the earthen just dwarves? Spoilers. Space dwarves. We'll, we'll get to it. You're on the right track, though. Yeah. They also, though, because they're modifying the planet so much for these prisons, they're worried that since Azeroth is stronger, something about the way it, uh, it would have been if it had just been allowed to be natural, is important. So the same way they created the elemental plane, they create what they call the Emerald Dream, which is a plane where, like, a vision of Azeroth as if sapient creatures never had any influence on it. Interesting. So it's like a nature plane. Does that, like, allow it to develop there, or, like... Yes. Okay. Like, if you went to the Emerald Dream now, it would be, like, if all the tectonic shifts and forest fires and everything that was caused by without the intervention of sapient creatures, had happened. But I I guess my uh, question is, does it allow the Titan to develop there, even though it's on a different plane? I don't believe so. Okay. That that has not been explored, but I don't think so. So the Titans are like, ah, this is all pretty good work. Uh, They also, uh, this is, I'm not sure if the Titans do this or if this is just the natural occurrence, but it may be worth noting that at this point, there's only one landmass on Azeroth. Okay. And the Well of Eternity is at its center. So the Titans are ready to go. They're like, ah, oh, this worked pretty well. We'll leave our avatars here and the Titan Forge. But they decide that before they go, they want to empower some of the natives of Azeroth. So those proto-drakes that I talked about at the beginning, at this point, they have evolved into dragons. And there are five colored dragon flights that are the most prominent. So the Titans decide to bestow the most powerful of each of those colored dragons with an ability. Then these become the dragon aspects. So Alexstrasza is the most powerful red dragon. They give her power over life. Ysera is the most powerful (laughs) green dragon. They give her power over the Emerald Dream. I'm going to say life seems incredibly unbalanced already. Oh, don't worry. Depends. Which one gets death? Nefarian, the most powerful black dragon, gets power over the earth so he can move it as he wishes. Malagos, the most powerful blue dragon, gets power over magic, specifically arcane magic, but just magic. So he just becomes a super powerful wizard. And Norzdamu, the bronze dragon, the most powerful bronze dragon, I should say, gets power over time. Okay. To make sure that, yeah, you were saying one of these seemed stronger than the others. (laughs) Yeah, I got to say, I think time might take the uh, the cake there. Wait, 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 wait. So this implies that the Titans had power over time if they could bestow it on a random dragon. Yep. Right. So yes, it does. Why didn't they just use that to deal with the old gods? 
Well, they specifically tell Nors Domu, hey, what your real job is is to make sure no one fucks with the timeline, so there's only one timeline. Okay. So the- theoretically, they hold that view as well, that they don't try to go and screw at the timeline for that reason. So basically, he's a time cop? Yeah. And, he- and all the bronze dragons are time cops. He's time sheriff. Because I don't think we're going to get to it, and it's going to come up in these um, in this conversation. I should say that uh, Norse Dormu's primary enemy is Morozond, who is a corrupted future version of himself. Rad. That's actually super cool. That's actually an interesting idea, yeah. So the Pantheon decides, okay, we've done our work here. We have our avatars here. We have all the Titan Forge. We have the dragon aspects. Everything should be fine here. Let's go find Sargeras and tell him the good news. Meanwhile, Sargeras has gone to Mordun and been like, hey, you guys are right. If I jailbreak you, will you be my army? (laughs) Didn't see that one coming, but also kind of saw that coming. So they're like, yeah, that sounds good. So he breaks the demons out, and this is the formation of what's called the Burning Legion, which is a giant army of demons. Sargeras, however, is like, oh, man, like I have this giant army, but like it's so big, I can't lead it myself. I need to get some generals. So he goes to this planet called Argus, which is another world soul that he helped defend, which is inhabited by these creatures called the Eridar. They're basically like goat people. The Eridar are incredibly long-lived, which makes them very, very good at magic. And they're good at all sorts of different kinds of magic. So now might be a good time to go over some different magics that exist. I was going to say, because you mentioned arcane earlier, and that was... A specific detail, so. Yeah. So arcane magic is the most, like, fantasy magic type of magic. It's about focusing on the world and making it bend to your will. It's good at making freezing things and shooting fire and just projecting raw force. A a downside to it is it tends to be very addictive because you're literally, like, playing with the forces of nature. But it's also very powerful. There's also shamanism, which is basically just telling the elements, hey, you should do this. It's basically just contracting with the elementals and convincing them to do your bidding. Okay. There is the light, which is just a vague force that allows you to do magic if you feel great conviction in something. Okay, so Kingdom Hearts again. Yes. And those are kind of the three the Eridar are good at. They're particularly good at Arcane because they're very long-lived, but they're adept at all three. So Sargeras comes to them, and their Eridar have three leaders, um, Kil'jaeden, Archimonde, and villain and he's like hey guys why don't you join me in my great crusade i will teach you fell magic which is the ability to tap into the twisting nether and destroy things with it it's very powerful and kill jade and archimond are like sounds sweet bro and velen seems <laughs> is like this seems like a tad suspicious this is a bit sus so velen starts praying to the light because he is primarily that's his primary power source and a creature called a naru appears which is like a sentient scandalier that just comes th- from the sky and says, hey, when you use the light, you're actually channeling that power through me. It's cool. I don't need it. Like, I, I want to help you. But you're right. This is really sus. So get as many of your people together that don't want to join Kil'jaeden and Archimonde as you can. I'll send a spaceship and that'll help you escape. So a spaceship comes down. Velen leads his people onto it and they flee. Okay. Kil'jaeden takes this incredibly personally and vows to hunt them down to the ends of the Great Dark Beyond and destroy them. Rude. Yes. Well, someone has, you know, taking things a bit too personally. Uh, so the Pantheon meets up with Sargeras and they're like, hey, we found this planet called Azeroth. It's infested with old gods. It's cool. We fix it. It's like, what infested with old gods? Where is it? I'm going to kill it right now. <laughs> and they're like... No, chill. And Sargeras is like, how about you chill? And he kills the Pantheon and imprisons their souls. Wow, okay. And he's like, now where's that planet? And they're like, 
Well, we're certainly not going to tell you now. So is this actually how the old gods corrupt things? Because at this point, he seems to have gone off the deep end. No, this is how the demons corrupt things for sure. The old gods are more like wrap you up in tentacles and now you're a puppet for us. Okay, so more like narathletep e. Yeah, yeah. So all of the avatars of the Titans back on Azeroth are, like I said, disconnected to from them. But when they all die, they all get just like incredibly confused. Yeah, because they have some tether back to their creators. Yes. And to different ones, it affects them differently. But the old gods sense this and they start whispering in their minds. And in particular, they convince Loken to ac- to kill his lover. Then they convince him, oh, that was an accident. And she would be fine with this. But you better uh, kill her husband, Th- uh, Tyr, as well. And also, you should make this like... You should put this thing in the World Forge, which is what they use to make new Titan Forge, so that they come out all fleshy instead of all rocky. Why would they want that? The old gods want that because it's way easier to kill and punch something made of flesh than something made of rock. That's a good point. It makes sense to me. Also, flesh flesh rots, so eventually they will die, and the old gods are like, they'll probably forget what they were supposed to do. So various of the Titan Forged races now start becoming more and more fleshy. The Earthen decide to try to keep themselves in suspended animation to try and stop it from happening, but it doesn't go so well. <laughs> and so all those metal creatures are slowly becoming flesh. And, like, also dying, I assume. Yes, but they can reproduce. But they are dying, and slowly their history is lost. Could they reproduce before they were fleshy? Good question. <laughs> also, five minutes. Okay, we're not going to get anywhere near the end of my outline here so back up on the surface various races start evolving maybe because of the influence of the well of eternity maybe not and the first humanoid race native to azeroth are the trolls they have big tusks they hunch over and they form what's called the zandalar empire which is this big native american inspired empire that has a big caste system they worship the loa which are these Basically, mostly animal spirits that were hyper-evolved by the Well of Eternity to be giant and super-powerful and immortal. (laughs) So the trolls in the lowest caste decide being in the lowest caste sucks, and they go off to form their own uh, tribes. Particularly the Gurabashi and the Amani tribes will be important later. Also, the Titan avatar of Ra... Because of the it's the Titans going crazy, goes crazy himself and starts creating this giant empire. And the Mogu, which are Titan Forge that serve him, decide to rebel against him. In particular, one named Lei Shen, the Thunder King, manages to Kali Ma, Indiana Jones style, rip out Ra's heart and eat it and becomes their emperor. Rad? Okay. So the two major forces are the Zandalar Empire and the... Uh, Mogu Empire. The Mogu keep slaves. They have a number of slave races that have evolved. The most important of them are going to be the Pandaren, which are these Panda people. They don't let them carry weapons or anything because that's how you control your slaves. Yeah, although I feel like a spear-wielding Panda would be dangerous. Well, yeah, that's why they don't let them have weapons. Weren't you paying attention, Tyler? Oh, I was thinking that they could like point the Panda at something else. But Fair, fair. But the Mogu are like these big Minotaur people, basically. So they do not exactly lack for manpower. So one day, one of the trolls that has been disenchanted with the Empire gets has something whispering in its head, and he thinks it's a Loa. But it's actually Cthune, and he accidentally unearths a Akir general from the Titanforge times. And 
he has basically made a giant colony of bug people beneath the ground, and by freeing it, all these bug people spill back out on Azeroth. So the Mogu Empire and the Zandalari Empire have to team up. The trolls all come together to fight back these bugs. And they are surprisingly effective at it. The Mogu teach the trolls arcane magic, which they're good at. And because the basically the bug colony is closer to Lei Shen's territory than the troll territory, he agrees to give the trolls some of that territory once the war is over in exchange for troop protection. Okay. Unfortunately, Lei Shen is killed in the war, and the Pandarans just get really good at kung fu <laughs> and decide to overthrow the Mogu. So the trolls manage to defeat the Akir, the bug people, but they don't get the uh, land they were problems because now the Pandaren are in charge of it. They go to war with the Pandaren a couple times, but as you suggested, panda men with spears are pretty strong, so they never really succeed in taking that land. Never invade pandas in the winter. Yeah. So eventually they just decide to give up on it. The bug people are dead, and with no common enemy to hold them together, the troll empire starts to split apart. One tribe of trolls, which are we don't really know much about, they are just not other than they were nocturnal, decide to settle near the Well of Eternity, and that causes them to evolve into very cute creatures with po- uh, proper posture, and they're like, man, we're way better than these trolls. We'll call ourselves the Kaldori, which in common term is Night Elf. <laughs> because they're so close to the Well of Eternity, they get really good at magic, so they start making themselves a mageocracy, ruled by Queen Ajara, who is very good at magic and very, 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 very hot. (laughs) (laughs) They basically colonize the trolls. They just bully them and are like, okay, you can have an empire, but like you have to do whatever we say. The pandas come visit them and are like, man, you guys are using magic a lot. You know, that's addictive, right? Like, yeah, yeah, we're cool. We got it. And the Pandarians are like, no, this is going to be trouble if you keep using it. And like, we know what we're doing, bros. We can stop whenever we want. (laughs) The Pandarans literally like, okay, we're going to give you this chest and inside is all the magic you'll ever need. And it's empty. And the Night Elves are like, fuck you. And the Pandarans are like, well, you're going to fuck everything up. So they cast a spell that causes their land to be shrouded in mist that nobody can find. (laughs) Not the worst tactic. No. Why the elves keep getting more and more powerful magically. And that's time. Okay. Man, we didn't even get, we we got to the backstory of Warcraft 3. (laughs) april fools this was about warcraft all along it's harder than it sounds we got about halfway through my outline yeah honestly that was we were not going at a slow pace there i was i was interrupting for color commentary occasionally but like man there's a lot going on i had no idea about any of this so that's because it didn't exist for a good chunk of it they started adding it in later the titans are mentioned in warcraft 3 but no details about them. And, and the Night Elves are part, that whole thing is part of the background of Warcraft 3, their story that I didn't quite get to. Yeah, because the Night Elves didn't even exist in Warcrafts 1 and 2. There were just elves. I feel like the concepts they came up with are pretty decent, though. Yeah, it's a whole bunch of D&D stuff that I would never use in my D&D game, but it's very D&D. And yeah. I think that gives it a real unique flavor. Because like, there's a whole bunch of you know space aliens and stuff. Yeah, exactly. This feels like a setting I would come up with, but not. Yeah. But not necessarily use. Yeah, or like, I'd probably come up with something a little less involved, let's be frank, but. Mostly because coming up with all of that additional stuff is way too much work. 
like I said, this is the work of a bunch of retcons and additions. Like the Titans were an idea, I think, from pretty close to the beginning, but they had to actually flesh them out and add a bunch of stuff to it. And I think the Burning Legion is actually pretty early on. I'd have to go back and double check. They weren't really fleshed out, and you didn't get to like where they fit in later on. Yeah, and early on, Sargeras was basically just Satan. He was the leader of the demons, and eventually they made him a fallen Titan and gave him this backstory. But that makes him not sympathetic exactly, but gives him a motivation. Beyond he's just the bad guy. And they're like, trolls need to come from somewhere. And we gave trolls all these like ancient Mayan looks and said they're actually really ancient. What if they were actually the first race on Azeroth? Wouldn't that be cool to put these Pandarans in? Where have they been all this time? Well, that was a ridiculous jaunt. Um, yeah, April, happy April Fool's, everybody. We'll have to find something that you know about that we don't, Tyler, so you can do one of these. Oh, Oh, hey, actually, um, has Jeremy ever read Mistborn or no, anything in the Cosmere? I, I have. Someone explained some stuff to me, like spent like an hour doing it. Probably <laughs> either Kevin or me. No, it was a girl. This is, okay. You can tell because I paid attention. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. All right. So thank you for being fooled by us, everyone. Support us on Patreon. That's where most of our bullshit comes. From www.patreon.com slash lastpodcasts. Five dollars, you get bonus episodes. Soon we'll be able to meet again and watch Evangelion and actually do those episodes. The fourth movie came out, so. Oh, yeah, I actually. I didn't know that. Forgotten about those. Okay, I can stop recording now.